0: We joked because I was reading The Elimination of Hurry at 1.9 times the (laughs) speed. I (laughs) laughed out loud. (laughs) I have one sister. And growing up, my mom always referred to us as sisters. Like, instead of, come here, girls, she would say, let's go, sisters. Or, hey, sister, what's up? So, naturally, without thinking about it at all when I had my girls I started referring to them the same way and then it started seeping into my friends dialogue then I noticed at church they almost formally refer to each other as brother or sister sister Brittany or brother Tim and you know what I just love it and since this shows primary audience is ladies hey sisters you're about to hear me and my sweet friend Krista discuss the book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to share, I have been probably overanalyzing the story of Martha and Mary, and I didn't realize that it was in a few different places. I, Whenever I think of the story of Martha and Mary, I always think of the one where Jesus was passing through Bethany, Um, Martha hosted him at her house, and she was so busy serving, and Mary was just sitting at her feet listening to his teaching, and Martha's like, yo, Jesus, get her to help me, and Jesus is like, chill out, sister, Mary chose the right thing, and it will not be taken from her, and that last line just sticks out to me so much, it will not be taken from her. It's the only thing that cannot be taken from us. Our time spent with him. He intended for us to spend eternity with him, but the sin in the garden separated us from him. But that's what Jesus came to defeat, that sin sickness, and bring us back into communion with the Father for eternity. So it's just beautiful. He is just, he is just beautiful needs everything we need. And I need to be reminded of that. I hate that I need to be reminded of that because I wish it was just like I was this perfect human, but I, I get in these modes of like doing really well and, and then I kind of don't do really well. <laughs> so I need to be reminded of that. So with that being said, I hope this episode blesses you. Okay, so let's pray. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much. We thank you for this time where we can just sit and um, learn to be Marys, where we're the Mary of Bethany, Lord, where we can just sit at your feet and worship you. We thank you that you're teaching us how to do that, and you're so gentle and so kind with us, Lord. Thank you for just for being you, and we love you because of who you are, Lord, and thank you for just this time that we get to spend together to talk about you, to talk about what you're teaching us. And we just ask that you'd be the loudest voice in this room, God, that you would anoint this conversation and that you would bless everybody that listens to it. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 That's so good. I almost don't even know where to start here. So, um, I'm sitting down with my friend Krista and she, told me about this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so that's kind of our topic today. We're going to talk about The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And the book talks, it's so good, guys. You just got to get it. You got (laughs) to read it. You got to listen to it, re-listen to it. There's so much juicy things. When I was taking notes, I'm like, I just need to write down, rewrite the whole book (laughs) in my notes because it's so good. And um, so that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: I agree. For me, I've digested this book several times cause I fall off the train like, very yeah. easily cause we live in the world. Um, starting though, the first thing that hit me was when, um, so this book is by John Mark Comer and he, he writes a ton of books. He's a pastor in the Northwest, but he talks about what the problem is and Hit me like a freight train when he's talking to his mentor as a pastor, and his mentor was mentored by Dallas Willard. And in the book, he says, "If you don't know who Dallas Willard is, you're welcome." <laughs> so go, you know, Google search that. Um, he's a theologian, uh, just a great thinker, author. But he says he asked the question. I have. I wrote down the question because that's how big of a deal it was for me and how i was just in at that moment he's asking dallas willer on the phone so what do you need to do to be spiritually healthy and his answer was you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and he said oh that's really good what else (laughs) and he said there is nothing else and i was listening and i stopped dead in my tracks because this man who I respect, he wrote the book called Hearing from God, Discerning God's Voice. Yeah. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. There is nothing else? What do you mean? What about all these things? And he said there is nothing else. So I started to share the book immediately with like my group of women. I'm like, this book is going to change my life. I already know it. Then he begins talking about time. He goes into the history of time. He talks about something is deeply wrong in our society. And basically, we are constantly waiting for our souls to catch up with ourselves. And that was pretty powerful for me. Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm the type of person that takes notes in like seven different um, notebooks at a time. <laughs> and then on my phone while I was driving. And so...
1: <laughs> Which he talks about not doing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's at the end of the book. <laughs> I hadn't got there yet <laughs> when I was doing that. Um, but yeah, and I'm just going to try and not be spaghetti because I get like that. Because I'm so excited. Um, just to be learning this stuff and to, um, just have it brought to the surface, you know, something, something more for me to work on. Um, but something that caught my eye or that, that made me look internally at myself is the, the, how many times I tell my kids to hurry. Um, how many times I say, let's say a quick prayer. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) What's a quick prayer? You know, like let's hurry up and, um, oh, I gotta hurry and read the Bible. Like I am always hurrying. And where is my soul resting? You know, it's not, I'm not allowing it to rest. And what you just said and and what the book said, our souls are constantly trying to catch up to our bodies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's so convicting. You know what I mean? Because nothing in this life really matters, ultimately, except our relationships with people. And when I'm hurrying and I'm telling my kids to hurry and I'm prompting quick prayers at dinner, hurry up, I'm hungry. I'm angry and mm-hmm. I'm typically real snippy too. all of the distractions. I do want to touch on that a lot mm-hmm. um, because this world is so loud and the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Well, if I'm, you know, flowing with the way of the world, I'm in this constant state of hurry. You know, I drink mm-hmm. coffee and I'm off to the races. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, just constantly going. Yeah. And God wants me to be still with him. And I don't know.
1: It seems impossible. I came against this book and some of the ideas in it because I'm like, Hey, look, man, I'm a single mom of two kids. She's got X, Y, Z activities. I work full-time plus I'm involved in AA, in CR. I'm involved in these ministries. I'm I'm doing all this stuff. I don't have time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have time to stop and do silence and solitude and Sabbath and quiet. I don't, I do not have time. And that was my excuse to myself. But the truth is, he says later on somewhere in the book, we have at any given moment, Every single thing we need Mm. because we abide with the father. Yeah. What else is there? Mm. If I really stop to think what else is there? That's all I need. Yeah. And you were just talking about in the hurried moments, um, God's economy of grace, the Mm. currency is love. And I do not have it Mm. when I'm in a hurry. Right. I'm like, get your backpack. Cause we're leaving. I'm about to leave without you, sister. I, I will know. absolutely. In fact, sometimes I'll just walk out the door and let them hear the door shut. I They're will... like, "Oh no, she's gone." I
0: won't. I'll just open the door and shut it and let them
1: think. I <laughs> out. No, I, I straight up leave.
0: <laughs> We've also like gotten in the car and then pulled around a little bit. Oh.
1: <laughs> we are evil. I'll start the car, you know, and and my daughter comes running out, and it, it's. Talk about not loving. That's creating fear. And right? I am so guilty of it. Mm. A hurried dinner. Let's do a quick prayer.
0: What? Right? Wait, are what? Are we are thankful? For, like what? A
1: quick prayer? It's <laughs> <laughs> like an oxymoron. Um, mm. So that was truth that you spoke. Um, in the beginning, kind of towards the beginning. So he talks about hurry sickness and it being identified as a number of things. And this is what I wrote down. And this is what I want. Whoever's listening, I want you to think about this. More and more things in the same amount of time. We're trying to add more and more things in the same amount of time that we have. And that's hurry sickness. That's sort of the definition of it. Three things he pointed out. Quickly identify these things. Are you, there's three, are you moving from one checkout line to another Mm -hmm. because one is shorter or moving faster? Are you, two, counting the cars in front of you in a drive through line, getting in the shortest line or the quickest, three, multitasking to the point of forgetting one of the tasks that you're trying to multitask? Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. All of those. Check. <laughs> all. So there is a solution in this, but those things, I, I, I had to check yes to all that stuff. And then he says, Hurry is a form of violence to our souls. Mm. I'm like, that's not loving to me um, or anyone around me. And then the 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. It's kind of like, I went through and I checked some of these and it hurt me to be ruthlessly honest, rigorously honest. Mm. Number one, irritability. Walking around with low-grade negativity. How you treat those closest to you. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, hypersensitivity. Minor things escalate to major emotional events. Yes. And for me, I'm like, you bought a gallon of milk. I just bought a gallon of milk. (laughs) Now, we have two gallons of milk in the fridge that's already full absurd Mm. so a minor event escalates to a major emotional event that is not emotional sobriety
0: right unhealthy yeah
1: i when 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 that person walked in with that gallon of milk i felt rage and i'm like that is not right right (laughs) that is not healthy (laughs) i am separated from god because of it number three restlessness you can't relax when you try to relax your mind is running what should I be doing Um, what did I not accomplish what do I need to accomplish later if you're watching something maybe with your spouse or friend you're checking your phone or you're thinking about something else or whatever it is you cannot relax Um, number four workaholism you don't know when to stop that one will speak for itself, I think, for many people. Number five, emotional numbness. Um, you don't have time to have the capacity to have the appropriate emotion.
0: Mm.
1: And that's me in, in a lot of ways. I'm too busy to appropriately deal with this matter mm. right now. I'm emotionally numb. Or, you know, for me, sometimes I'm on the flip of that. I'm overly emotional Well, we already talked about that. Number six, out of order priorities. Hmm. I have a note here, but I can't read it. <laughs> Number seven, lack of care for your body. Not taking the time to eat well, to exercise, those things. Um, he goes into coping mechanisms like drinking and some of the things that that don't care for your body Mm. number eight escaping behaviors again tv social media things we do to escape the reality that we're living in number nine skipping spiritual disciplines Mm. yeah the first things they're the first things to go versus your first go-to's
0: that was good that was so good that was good Mm. i'm like yep I mean, they're all good. They are. But that one really struck me, too. Like, I will be the first person to press snooze through my quiet time with the Lord, knowing good and well that if I wake up just 20 minutes before everybody else in my house and I j- just a quick 20 minutes, Krista, right, I know. <laughs> then I'm such a better person. Mm-hmm. I'm a better mother. I'm a better wife. And I feel more content and more at peace. But I will press snooze. That, that will be the first thing to go, which is very sad because it's – I think about, like, my relationship with my husband and, um, you know, God love him. He's so busy. He really is. He's got all these things going on and it's all good stuff, but it's it, it's overwhelming sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But he lists all these things on his two hands. He could start using his toes that he's working on, <laughs> but he did not – and I didn't point it out to him because he does not need any extra stress from me right now, but – He didn't even point out that he's a husband. You know what I mean? And, like, what am I doing to God in my relationship with him when I'm not saying you're first, you're number one? Because, like you said, and like the book said, and like the Bible says, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's number one. He should be number one. I should seek him first always in all things. And pressing snooze, it just seems so, like, well, he wants me to rest, right? Oh, (laughs) yes. That's not really he wants us to rest in him
1: with him and spend that time with him to abide in him consciously (laughs) with him. But I do the same thing and I'm like, I just 10 more minutes. My body needs it. My brain needs it. That's like the worst
0: thing you could do for your body and your brain. I know. (laughs) And you're not really getting a full rim.
1: (laughs) We are told over and over and over again in scripture exactly what to do Mm. That's just not it. Yeah. Number 10 on the list. I'll finish that 10 list. It's isolation, disconnected from God, others, and from your own soul. And so if you're anything of those 10 items on the list, I would suggest that maybe you are living a life a little bit more apart from God than is possible. Mm -hmm. He calls us to just abide with him and be with him. And um, I checked several of those boxes.
0: Yeah, me too. And that last one, before reading this book, it was brought to my attention, the difference between isolation and solitude. Mm -hmm. And so hearing it again in this book was just confirmation. Yeah. Because in recovery, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, I have some emotional stuff happening or, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, my addiction or or whatever. I isolate. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it. And... And isolation is a really bad place to be. You know, it's very dark. And, and he kind of, like, mentions, um, it's of the enemy, really, yeah. bottom line. But solitude with the Lord and taking those things to the Lord and those problems and those issues and my an- anxious heart and offering it to him.
1: He talks about it in the way of the word Eremos, mm. which is the Greek for quiet place, for getting away. And that is the exact difference between isolation, which is an unhealthy behavior, and solitude. What did Jesus do um, when we are called? And and something that has changed, working on changing my life is the verbiage, apprenticing under Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. So if I want to apprentice with Jesus, I'm not the expert, but I do want to follow him. I want to follow his shadow at 3 o'clock because he shows me how to live. And he went... To the Aramas, to the desert place, to the wilderness. I used to believe and think, um, and don't don't ever take this to be like scholarly. I am not a professional anything, but I thought the wilderness was a place of danger. Yeah, um, a place where the Israelites were exiled to, where Jesus went after he was baptized because, 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 because actually. He went there because he was so strong with God in the Aramus. He was that ready to deal with the enemy one-on-one for 40 days. And when he came back, he was ready to conquer all the things and begin his his ministry on earth. The wilderness, the quiet place, there's a song called The Secret Place Mm. that I love by Phil Wickham. And that's where we go when we go to solitude. Mm. And where we go to silence, it's with him. And it's the utmost strength. It's the opposite of isolation because we're with God in it. Um, I loved that. And I have to note this because he brings up a book in, as I was coming against, because that's part of my nature, I'm like, well, I can't do it. I mentioned earlier, I can't do it. I don't have time for this. (laughs) I don't have time for (laughs) setting aside all this time um, to be with God. He talks about a book called Domestic Monastery, and in the book by Ronald Rohuser, he says that you don't have to go to a monastery to be alone with God. You can do it here in your home, at your kitchen table, in your kitchen, in your bathroom, folding laundry. And there is a quote because I <laughs> I went and downloaded the book, mm-hmm. and I listened to it. It's a quick little easy read. I would highly recommend it. But he says. It's not a question of choosing between Mary and Martha. Hmm. And because I've always been like, who am I? Yeah. Who do I want to be like? I want to be both. I want to get stuff done.
0: I would like Jesus to meet me as Martha and help me with these dishes.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Exactly. And Mary quit being so lazy. But also listen, you know, and, and abide with God. So it's not a question of choosing between Mary and Martha. It's choosing both contemplation and action, mm. soul craft and statecraft, loving and doing prayer and service, private morality and social justice, attention between the monastic and domestic. Where is God usually found, and this hit me like a brick wall? Where is God usually found in the church or in the kitchen? Mm in the monastery or in the family, in a celibate monk's cot or in the marriage bed, at a shrine or in a sports stadium. The God we believe in is both the holy God of transcendence and the incarnate God of eminence. God is, in a privileged way, found both in the monastic and in the domestic. And when it asks the question, is God more in the church or in the kitchen I've come to know a deep knowing he is the same in both. So when I'm standing in my kitchen, he is as much with me inside of me as he is when I'm standing in in a, in in a corporate worship setting. Yeah. So I'm like, that's so good. Okay. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything special. Yeah. He's with me here now, which helps us in our solitude.
0: That's so good practice. That's so good. And I probably have more deeper conversations with God when I'm doing those dishes rather than when I'm in a room full of people that are clearly all staring at me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I tell my 13 year old, I'm like, you know, not everybody's looking at you.
0: They're not, they're focused on themselves. They really are. (laughs) That's like another thing that, that God is teaching me how to worship without music Mm. and to worship In those places where, and to, to stop thinking about everybody else when I'm, you know, at church, like it's about him. It's all about him. Yeah. And it's all about him here and there.
1: When my worship shifted, of course I had to get sober first. When it shifted from horizontal to vertical, just me and him. Yeah. My life changed. It's different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel the Holy spirit right now because it is so different. Yeah. And I heard somebody say recently, we're not worshiping God in those places where it's like the horizontal, we're worshiping the feeling that we get with the music. And I was like, that, that touches me so deeply. And and I know that there's the controversy of like, who's writing what Christian song and, yeah. and like where they're hanging out at and what they're doing in their free time. Right. And so that really started to check me. And I, I started asking God is it okay that I listen to this? Mm -hmm. And it was just so soft and gentle. Like, you don't need music to do that. You don't need music to worship me. You don't need fancy lyrics or to memorize every verse in the Bible and bring it to me in prayer. You know, like, what is it? um, Offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to, to God. This is our true and proper worship. So in all things, I can do all things to the glory of
1: God. That verse I left out of my life for my entire time of attempting to become sober, mm. 2014 to 2018. I had already identified my life verse as Romans 12 two, do not conform to the pattern of this world would be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I knew that if I didn't conform to the world and continue to transform my mind, I might be able to get somewhere. Yeah but I left out 12:1 which is offer your body as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship. Yeah. I missed it. And now the two things can work together. Yeah. And it's it's eyes to see and ears to hear in such a refreshing way that we don't need music mm. to worship. Sometimes I'll go to my knees in yeah. prayer and my kids'll uh see me on my knees and they're like oh there she's she's doing her thing we're gonna leave her alone now (laughs) anyway she's with god you know um but the question on worship music is actually pretty valid when i asked god and got with god on that topic again coming against who's making money from it how much money they're making from it Who's capitalizing on God's name? All these yeah. things. Yeah. I don't know why I felt like I needed to ask these questions, but I did. And he said, it has nothing to do with you. Take what I have for you in it. Yeah. And so that's what I have done yeah. with, with the music piece is take what God's offering is from it. But you, it's easy to get caught up. It is. And so, asking those questions can be powerful and important, and it's shifted the way that you worship God.
0: And He can handle those questions. He wants you to ask those questions because, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's between me and God. Mm-hmm. It's between my heart. It's a heart issue. It's really He wants our heart, and and He'll deal with those people according, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't. It's not my burden to carry. It's I don't not have for to, us. Thank God, I don't have to be the judge of that. Kind Amen. Of stuff, you know. And I don't really want to know. I. I I have so many other things to worry about right in this life that i'm trying to hurry up in you know right. that that's what i want to dwell on and like shoot flaming arrows at people but right. i don't even know the, the situation right. you know stay stay in our lane you know it's <laughs> yeah. really hard sometimes but it is but yeah that's so good that's so good so in the book towards the end um and we can kind of jump back if you if you'd like. But the thing that I was listening to today that really struck me was the rules. I love rules. <laughs> I've always been. I need rules. Um, even as a kid, I set my own rules because mm-hmm. there was a little bit of lacking in my home as far as rules. So it was like I would not watch a PG thirteen film oh. if I was under thirteen. I was like, is you know what is this rated? I have to go to bed. <laughs> I, I was very strange. <laughs> So when he started talking about rules, my ears kind of peaked, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever. But he says a lot of them, like giving our phone a bedtime. Mm -hmm. And something that I tried this weekend, which was so hard, Krista, I turned off my phone Saturday and Sunday. All day? All day. Except Sunday, I turned it on at night. And I did list, okay, it was on a little bit in the morning on Saturday. So, but for the most of those two days, it was off.
1: Yeah. How was it?
0: I noticed how much Tim was on his phone, and Ooh. <laughs> I, I was so angry. <laughs> it's hard. It's and coming to the realization that I am absolutely addicted to my phone. Yeah, and it's easy for me to say that. Like when I was drinking, it was so easy for me to be like, "I am clearly an alcoholic. I have right. clearly an issue with this." Uh-huh. But I'm gonna drink about it still. Yeah, I know that I have an issue, and I. I'm seeing it more prevalent and it it like, it hurts my heart (laughs) a Uh little bit, you know, it's like, (laughs) what is the, the Romans? Um, I think, I think it's in Romans. Paul's like, I do the thing I don't want to do. And I don't do the thing I want to do. Oh, you know what I mean? It's (laughs) just like, I just relate so much to that too. It's like, I really don't, I don't have the power. I know what's right. And I don't have the power to carry it out. And so I'm like right now working on giving this to God.
1: What about 12 step in this thing?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, need, I absolutely need to I do could that. do it.
1: I mean, I could use to do that. Yeah. I am pretty powerless over it. I started to do it at work and part of my development plan at my job. And I got pretty honest and it was kind of kind of hard. It was pretty vulnerable. Yeah. She's like, so, you know, what are some of your goals? I'm like, I have to put my phone down. It is impeding on my ability to do my job well. Mm. And I'm here to do my job to the best of my ability. Not so that I can be successful, but so that I can be the best employee here and the best teammate here. And so I need your help holding me accountable on my phone. (laughs) And she's like, okay, that's real. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is really hard because I need you to come by and see if I'm on my phone. So she'll, she'll walk by and she like just glances to see if I'm on my phone. And, and there have been days where I haven't looked at my phone at all. Mm. I got so much work done.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. Can you imagine saying that to your employer but replacing your phone with alcohol? Hey, I'm having a really hard time not drinking at work. (laughs) I need you to come by my, you know, cubicle or whatever and make sure that I'm not drinking.
1: Don't bring these truths
0: to me. But you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like. It's really no different. It's an addiction. It's no
1: different. I'm just further. I'm in a different place on the path that it's not alcohol today. It's this today. Yeah. And actually, this is quite a separation from God.
0: Uh, Hardcore. He
1: talks about in the book that he erases all social media from his phone and email from his phone and sets a time of the week to check it.
0: That's what that's what's in my notes. Next. (laughs) Is it? Yeah, because I need to do this and I've done it a little bit. And then I always go back. Okay. Or like I deleted the Facebook app and then, you know, before Me I do. know it, I'm on the Chrome browser on my
1: phone. And then I'm like, this is stupid. I'm just getting it yeah. back again.
0: Because now I'm wasting even more time waiting for this to load. You know what I mean? Getting really bad images, you know, like um, like fuzzy yeah. videos rather than, you know, 4K. And
1: then I'm, I'm just like, this wasn't intended to be on a browser. This is an app. Yeah. I'm just going to do it the right way. <laughs> and then I re-get the app again. I've done that... I've probably done that about four times. Yeah, same. Or I'll
0: notice when I delete it too, when when I open my phone up, my finger, it's like my, un, you know, subconsciously, I go right to where that app was. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'll open it up and then I'll click where Facebook was, but it's a different app now because I've deleted it or I've moved it. And so I'm like opening my cal- calculator a bunch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just like without thinking about it. And I think about, my um one of my last days sober i it got to the point where i wasn't really thinking about the things that i was doing i was just doing it because it was like automatic so like i took Adderall that was not mine and i just i didn't even think about that i was doing it because it was just so automatic mm-hmm. and that's what this has turned into for me is mm-hmm. it's so automatic to wake up and touch my phone and then i justify it because oh well, i i was reading the verse of the day
1: i'm but- in the, reading the daily reflection <laughs> Yeah. it's fine <laughs> but is it though you know what no I mean? because then I bounce to something else before
0: I know it I'm shopping for new headbands that I don't need you know <laughs> and and he talks about like being a consumer and I, I've yes. heard a pastor say we need to teach our kids to not be consumers but to be creators and, like, when we are most creative is when we're bored. So our kids need to be bored.
1: Oh, he talks about boredom, too. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to introduce to you a word. If you don't know what it means, it's boredom. We, you know, we used to be bored, and here's what we would do. And that's true. And thinking about thinking about trying to hold a 13-going-to-be-14-year-old daughter to not being on her phone yeah. and then me talking out of the other side of my mouth, I'm not as bad as her. I, I really don't think I'm as bad as her, though. <laughs> but <laughs> that's fair. But <laughs> who
0: cares what am I saying? But if it's doing this to me, what is it doing to our kids? Right. You know, and not to mention all the things that that like we're exposing them to mm-hmm. in this really dark world of social media mm-hmm. by letting them be in there. But what is it doing to our brain? What is it doing to our souls? How is distraction really killing our souls?
1: Isolation disconnected from god others and from your own soul okay and then rule of life unhurried simplicity freely and lightly and really this connection to social media or technology in general i'll say i don't really do cable tv or any of that stuff but it doesn't feel like freedom no it kind of feels like a level of bondage that i'm familiar with yeah okay so what are we gonna do delete them what do I use it for? I don't really even use it productively for much. Yeah. I do think Instagram is entertaining. When I go through the reels, they like...
0: Is it edifying? <laughs> is what I'm starting to ask myself. And that's in everything, like every conversation that I'm having too. But but yeah, like... Is it
1: edifying? <laughs> but I learned how to decorate cookies. <laughs>
0: but do I need to watch 15 hours of somebody else decorating cookies? Why don't I just start decorating cookies? I sh- Yeah. <laughs> what does he say in there like... Um, the average teenage boy spends 10,000 hours playing video games in 10,000 hours. You know, he lists all the things that you could, you could become like an
1: expert at almost anything. (laughs) Let's consider, I look at this stuff to exit, right? I know that's true to occupy my mind with something else. If I didn't pick up my phone and look at social media, I understand there's business to be done. I have to check certain um, emails and correspond with teachers and things like that. That's fine. If I set it toward a certain time of day, great. If I didn't do these things, what could I, what should I be replacing it with? spending the time with God or sp- he talks about playing with his kids mm. like the Legos and having a, a a straight up real pure Sabbath where they do nothing
0: dude I want that so bad
1: me too and I started doing it for a chunk of time because the way that our lives work I can't see I can, I, I can't logistically see setting aside an entire day and he offers up, You can do it – I mean, no, it was actually on a podcast that I heard that, She Reads Truth, which is where I first um, heard John Mark Comer was on She Reads Truth. But taking an afternoon or an evening, so a Monday night, it's a hardcore Sabbath, put your phone in the basket, we have a crockpot meal on, we're doing no work, we are abiding with one another and with God. You don't have to go all the way. Immediately. It's just about getting started. And in the epilogue, when he ends, he talks about how he says, you know, I'd like to tell you that I'm perfect, that I've ruthlessly eliminated hurry successfully, and that my life looks this way. But the truth is, that's not the case. I fall off. And we know that to be true in many ways of our life. We fall away from God. We get separated. We, we let these sacred rhythms, these spiritual disciplines kind of fall away. We, we hit snooze, pull up the social media, all that stuff. And there's a daily reflection that is my favorite one that I've ever read. It says, I will start my day over 100 times if I need to. Mm. So don't be discouraged when you find yourself back starting to do some of these behaviors that we've done in the past, but start over. Yeah. Just start fresh because you can do that. God offers us that freedom and space and loving nature to start fresh and eliminate the hurry again. And it, I don't want to say, oh, I'm off track now. I'm so far off track. I'm going to forget about this concept. I'm going to come back to it. And that's why I've been in this book four different times. Yeah. Because I can get off track of it yeah and i need to realign with what's true and the and the four the four solutions the four principles are the silence and solitude sabbath simplicity and slowing how powerful might it be in our personal ministries if we made small changes in each of these ways i'm working on it me too if you suffer from hurry sickness in any of these ways that we've talked about you don't have to buy the book you don't have to do that there are ways built in to do it get silent before the lord Mm. get with god um for me a lot of times it does come through 12 steps yeah but the solution is here and i just can't get past when he said no matter what you have everything you need because God is with you. Yeah, I'm like, dang, man, why don't I remember that mm. in traffic, right, or wherever I am?
0: Yeah, that was another um, big changing thing for me is turning off the radio. Mm. And and I do I justify media and and the, the things that I'm consuming because it's like, oh well, you know, I'm listening to a Christian radio station, mm-hmm. or, but I can turn it off and just listen to the quiet. And he mentions trying to distract ourselves from things that like wounds, like mother or father wounds that we mm-hmm. might be dealing with and um and hurts and so we try to escape. And that's a big one for me. It's yeah. un- un- unemotional sobriety. <laughs> yeah. And um so and so I want to I'm I'm looking to escape in those things and Instead of escaping from them, working through them, working through them with the 12 steps, bringing them to the feet of Jesus, having that quiet time and sitting with my emotions and dealing with the things because I don't have to hurry up and
1: get over it, you know? You don't. And God is there to help you in it. You don't have to necessarily get through it.
0: Yeah. He wants to use it.
1: He's gonna. (laughs) I am a grateful alcoholic. The greatest gift that has ever been given to me is alcoholism because the pain and suffering that I have been through in my addictions has led me to a place I would have never found true joy mm. without. It's just not possible. I can sit in the quiet with God. And that's a simple thing that, that we can do is turn off the music, mm-hmm. even if it's Christian radio, and be silent. Because the truth is, even if if it's Christian radio, we may be preventing our thoughts from moving or God from coming directly to us. Yeah. And sometimes he can move through music. Don't hear me say he can't. Yeah. Um, But it's an opportunity. So.
0: It is. And it's about being intentional. Mm. It's so good. So turn off this podcast after you Mm -hmm. leave a review, of course. (laughs) Um. And then go spend some time with God. Be quiet.
1: (laughs) I'm like a sponge soaking up what God has for me here. Trying to uncover, discover, and discard where he's got me. And I'm diversified right now. So I'm just open.
0: Being plucked from the darkness and finally seeing the light, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, it just makes me want to share about the love that I found in Christ and how accessible it is. He's everywhere and he wants you to encounter him. I pray for every person listening to my voice that spiritual eyes will be open to see him in all things, in Jesus' name. If you wouldn't mind sharing this podcast with a friend and leaving a review on wherever you're listening from. That can help spread the reach of this podcast into the nooks and crannies of the web. Until next time.